Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a matter worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as we were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So, Lord, help us this morning not only to be hearers of your word, we want to be doers of your word. And I just pray, God, you open up our hearts and minds so that, God, we can take it in and allow it to make a difference in our lives. And that's our heart's cry so that we can produce fruit in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about what's happening with the move that's taking, pair, uh, taking place at Asbury University. And some of our folks here have gone down there and, and, and seen that. And, you know, tons of universities have come down there. Campus House has been down there this past week and from Purdue and, and just getting a drink of that and saying. And I want to encourage you as a parent, if you get a chance, go down to Wilmore, past Lexington down there, and take your teenagers down there and let them experience something that they've never seen. And as an adult, you ought to go down there and check it out. But what is taking place at Asbury University is a humble move of God. Many will try to recreate or judge it down, but many of us have sought for one more outpouring for our children. Can you say amen as I wrote this? You cannot pour old wineskin into new wineskins. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to move. This awakening has got to move in you. This is a time of reflection. It's a time of soaking in the presence of God, which I feel is so important. And it's also a time for the millennials and the Gen Zs, those are 15 to 35 years old, those two generations, for them to go. Prayer warriors keep praying for a deepening in this generation, these two generations walk with God. Ask God to take them deeper than we've ever been. It's okay for us to want more, and we should, but I'm telling you, we've got to let them get a drink. And uh, it's so important that they get down there and get that. Let all things be set aside. Because as I said, you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. We've already had people say that have been in past revivals and leadership, I'm going to go down there and be a part of this. And, and I hope Asbury and these universities stop them immediately. I heard about some 50-year-olds that went in and they wanted to get up and say something. And one of the professors said, sorry, ladies, this is student-led. And we're letting the students do this. And, and, and that's what needs to happen because too many people have selfish reasons, they have pride, and they think they know better, they think they know how. This is new wine going into new wineskin. Let's let God do what he wants to do with them, amen? I feel that's so important. 
And that's what I feel like the Lord was giving me. Um, Let all things be set aside so a fresh filling can permeate this nation. We must appreciate and participate. We say let our hunger for God grow and allow the Holy Spirit to flow and allow us to float in it. That's our cry. And I believe that's what needs to happen. So as we look at Ephesians 4, I therefore a prisoner of the Lord. This is Paul. He's in prison. He's writing this from prison. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Look at your neighbor and say, you've been called. Tell him that. Everybody has a calling. We're going to find out here in a few verses later, everybody has a gift. I love these studious people, these good stewards. They're like, with our children, we're going to be fair about everything. I spent this amount of money for you at Christmas. I spent this amount of money for this one at Christmas. It was all equitable. We did it equally. Do you know God's not like that? He places callings on people. He gives gifts and multiple gifts to some people. And he doesn't give, everybody's got at least one gift, but he doesn't give everybody. And if God does that and he sees who he's going to use in a certain way and what they're going to need, how much more do we need to be looking at our children and to realize what it is that we need to be doing for them? Amen? Sometimes you crush their spirit or you take and you push down what God may be wanting to do in and through them. Maybe God's just given them that heart of compassion. And they cry a lot when things happen. And you're like, stop being a baby. Stop crying. Big boys don't cry. Little girls shouldn't be crying. But maybe God's developing something there at a tender age so he can use that. Amen? With all humility, Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many believers. Point number one is this. What should be seen in our lives? That's the question. What should be seen in our lives? A, humility. Humility. What should be seen in our lives? Not only are we to be conformed to the image of Christ, we have to ask ourselves, what should be seen? None of us feel really worthy if we get real truthful because we all see the junk and the daily mess-ups. Unless you're married to Mr. or Mrs. Perfection. Maybe they never have a spot or a wrinkle. But we really all do, Amen. Look at your your spouse or your family member and say, God's not done with me. Just tell them that. God's not done with me. But our goal is to be a reflection of Jesus. A reflection of Jesus. So humility. How we view ourselves in the light of God's Word. How we view ourselves in the light of God's Word. And in the Greek, it means 
how we service. To reign in. To curb. It's not for self. It's about what you see in Christ and how you want to be like that and remain humble. Too many Americans, because we've lived this country that's all about us, we deserve a break today, this one's for us, it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you, and Jesus is saying, I need humble people that are willing to say, Father, what do you want? What do you want? An example of a lack of humility was Peter. Peter was bold. I could do this. I'm going to stop this. I will never deny you, Jesus. No way. He denies him three times, and he weeps bitterly. Has anybody ever wept bitterly? I mean, you are so broken, so battered by maybe what you've done or a decision you've made, and you are, oh, my gosh. A weeping like you've never had before. I remember when our grandson Jude, um, after about four months, we saw a change in the shape of his head, and they took him to Riley. I took Kirsten for an appointment, and the doctor said, do not take her home. Don't You take her immediately with this child to Riley. And because the brain fluid was building up in his brain, and it was this close to causing him to be blind. And we didn't know that. And I remember getting him down there, being that strong person for my daughter, um, and, and waiting. Uh, and I remember when I got home, and they talked about they were going to do surgery, I remember laying on the floor, and I cried like I've never cried in my life. I was wailing. I mean, if somebody would have come into the house, I was all by myself, you would have thought I was dying. But I was crying out to God on behalf of my grandson, asking God. Peter sinned, and he wept bitterly. It was that weeping that changed, that, that realizing that he had denied Christ and repenting and understanding when Jesus came to him and forgave him and told him three different times to love his sheep, it changed Peter's life. Pride will take you down eventually. Pride will take you down. Second point here is this, as we look at this, with all humility and gentleness. What's Paul saying? Gentleness. Gentleness is how we respond when we are persecuted. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Gentleness, when you're persecuted. Anybody ever been persecuted because of Jesus in your life? I remember as I was working at a job, I came in one day, and there was a guy about four or five years older than me, and I, was, I said, man, we got a lot of work to do. And he said, shut up. 
I said, okay. Then all of a sudden he goes, I am so sick of you. And I'm like, what did I do? He said, you and your Jesus. I'm tired of your Jesus. And I went to get some stuff that I was going to load, and I turned around, and he hit me so hard. And I went flying back on the ground. And I had a real problem with my temper. And I had been praying that God would help me be an overcomer and not lose my temper. And I jumped up. And I said, his name was Rob. I said, Rob! Because all I heard in my brain was turn the other cheek. I said, Rob, get it out of your system, man. Hit this other side. Just hit it hard. And he just ran out the back door. And I had a Christian brother that put his hand on my shoulder. He goes, Man, that was awesome. I said, get your hand off me. (laughs) I know if he had hit this other side, I was going to kill him. (laughs) That was my flesh thinking that. But I've been praying. So I worked my shift, got ready to go. He was standing out back. I walked up to him. I said, hey. It's all good. Don't worry about what happened today. And he started crying like a baby. This big old tough guy. He goes, man, I'm so sorry. I said, listen, Rob, Jesus loves you. And you can't run from God forever. I know that you have roots that were planted when you were a child. And he's trying to get your attention And he used me. It's all good. And I got on my motorcycle and cruised away, and I thought, whoa, God, you're working in me. But there will be points where you will be persecuted because of your witness. And how are we to respond with gentleness? Now, some of you this morning... On the road, your gentleness left you. Some of you with your children this morning or your spouse, your gentleness left you. Get it back. Get it back, amen? Amen. You know, you want to be angry, but you got to push that person away. Jesus tells us his yoke is easy. We're to love. The third thing that Paul says here, patience. Did you hear that groan? There was a little groan. I don't know why people have such a groan when they they hear the word patience. It's a good thing. How we respond when others fail or bother us. We need patience when somebody fails or they bother us. Amen? We need the Holy Spirit to help us love them in the midst of that. 
Is anybody married to anybody that's ever failed them? Can I see your hand this morning? Can you point them out to me right now that they've let you down? Oh, my gosh. Patience. You know what? There's probably no person you bug or bother more than your spouse. Learn to allow their failure or their irritation not to change you, your mood. I, I was, we were out with a couple the other night, and she said, I came home, and it was a really bad day. And I told my husband, I've had a very, very bad day. And he threw some jab at her. And she said, did you not hear me? I am not in this mood. And he's kind of happy. He threw it again. And she said, I said! And all of a sudden, he freaked out. He knew she was serious. Sometimes we can, on purpose, irritate people. Shelley does that to me all the time. All the time. You know, I got to thinking the other day, I was praying, Lord, why can't we be like the children of Israel in the desert 40 years? You provided food. Their clothes never wore out. Their sandals never wore out. God, if you could just do that for Shiloh and stop her from buying shoes, why can't we get there? I'm going to have to add on to the house. Don't let me irritate you. <laughs> Be patient with me. <laughs> She's giving me that look. That's not a patient look. God's bringing this message for you today. Would you like to be the first at the altar? <laughs> Don't irritate, Owen. Then what's he say? We're to have empathy, bearing with one another. There are times when somebody's hurting, they're broken. You don't need to say anything. Just being there is enough. Because if it's a really serious situation, just being there. I remember when one of our teenagers was in a serious wreck. And I mean, that car, there was nothing left. And I got a call to go to the hospital. And as I got there, I met the father coming in too. And they led us both into that emergency room. And I've never seen a body so tore up. And I've seen a lot of things. And I grabbed that father. And I couldn't even talk. I couldn't speak. And I whispered finally in his ear, we need to pray, but I can't. I can't even pray because I was so devastated. And he put his hand on his daughter, and I held him, and we prayed for that girl. 
and we ask God to do a miracle. That was Tim Overman's daughter, Susie. And God did a miracle. A miracle. There are times you just have to be there. That's all it is. Bearing with others. We get so divided over what we all believe. Amen? And I love the German Lutheran theologian, Mendenus, in 1627. And I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. Let us, in the essentials, maintain unity. In the non-essentials, keep liberty. And in, the, in all other things, keep charity or love. He's saying, when it comes to the essentials of the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ, let us stay in unity. When it comes to other things that everybody has an opinion about, let's stay in liberty and not judge them down. And then when it comes overall, let us always stay in charity. Let us stay in love. Because not everybody's going to believe like you, amen? As we look at verses 4 through 6, there is one body. One body. The church. There is one spirit. One spirit, the Holy Spirit. There's one hope. That hope is eternal life in Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 19 talks about that. Titus 2.13. We can look at that. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God. Paul's saying, let's stay in unity together. Let's walk this out so that we can be all that God wants us to be. One God and Father of all, Ephesians 4, 6, who is over all and through all and in all, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of the most people to be pitied. How many know there's something beyond this life? Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says you can think of the greatest thing, and heaven is so much more than that. Thank you, Lord. Titus 2.13 says, we're waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I like Jude 1.3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We are contenders today for the faith, the faith in Christ. I was sharing with Shaloi last night, and she really doesn't have that many shoes, just to clarify that. I mean, what's 400 pair? That's nothing. Else. No, no, I'm just kidding. She's going to get me. It's going to be a good day at my house. Oh, boy. But we were talking last night about 
what's going on in our world. And the battle for our children and our grandchildren and what they're going to face should the Lord tarry. Oh, my gosh. I told her, I said, I need to do a class just for people that want to see what's coming so that they can understand what's going on right now. I think about like Moderna. They've never produced a vaccine, ever. The company was started in 2017. They've never produced a vaccine. They were given $4 billion to produce a vaccine. And if you would have read their website back then, it says, we will use technology to change human beings with RNA. We will use technology to change human beings with RNA. One of the folks said, we will be able to hack into people. It's crazy what's going on in the world today. Things that are happening. Jesus is coming sooner than you realize. Things are multiplying so fast. And we have the opportunity to be a light and to love. But somebody came up to me the other day. What was Pastor Brian Moore? He said, you know what I appreciate about you the most? I said, because I'm such a good guy. I'm so good looking. You just love hanging with me? He goes, yeah, all that. It's like I was praying this morning, Lord, thank you for allowing me to come to church for they all love me. They are for me. They care so much about me. I really am their favorite. Now, if that's not true, please don't tell me. Allow my ignorance to continue. But he said, you know, what I really appreciate about you so much, Owen, is you're willing not only to preach the word, but you're willing to tell us about what's going on currently so that we can stay updated in our families and with our walk with God. And I thought, you know what? He's right. He's right. Because I want you prepared. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want Christians in place to help make a difference. Amen? We're not going to stop a one-world government. We're not going to, it's coming. But we can be a great influence while we're here to let others know about Jesus. And I am so excited about what's being poured out on campuses so that God can reach these young people and get them on fire. Because if the Lord's coming soon, this may be that last great outpouring that we've been praying for. 
that we've been praying for. So important that we look at that. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Now right there is two verses that will help you if you come up against an occultic practice like Mormonism, where they believe that we're all gods, and we're going to be assigned to planets and everything. No, 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 no. There's only one God. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11 talk about who he is. There's only one Savior, Jesus. We've got to be able to walk that out and help them. I'm not banging on them. I'm just saying we've got to point them to the true Savior, Jesus. If Jehovah Witnesses show up at my house, I'm like, Oh, come on in. Let's talk about what you believe. Share with me. But here's the deal. Once you get done, I get to share with you. You're not going to head out. I know one's training and one's... Because I love you. And I believe God brought you to my doorstep. Each of us, Paul says here, have the grace to do. We have the power. Looking at verse 7. We have power from God to do what he wants. Has anybody ever taken a gift test to find out what your gifts are? Ever done that? We used to do networking a lot here to find out your spiritual gifts and, and, and how God wants to use them. And when you're using them spiritually, but when they get in the flesh, how they can take you the wrong way. That's always fun to do that. But people are like, well, what are my gifts? Well, there are those gift tests out there, but, you know, there's some simple things you can do. Ask God to reveal them to you. Be a student of his word. He'll show you. Look at your passions. Look at your personality. Look at your preferences. Allow God to use those things to speak to you about what he's placed in your heart. Anybody here, you know you have the gift of mercy. You really have the gift of mercy. I mean, when you see people hurting an animal, it just tears you up. I mean, breaks your heart. I love you people with mercy, but you get in so much trouble. Because a person with the gift of mercy is always kneeling down to pull somebody out of the gutter. This is what happens many times you'll have a guy or a gal that are going to marry somebody and they have mercy and this person they're marrying is always in trouble. Nobody wants them. And instead of really falling in love, they're like, I'm going to rescue them. And 30 years later, you find yourself still trying to rescue them. Every person with the gift of mercy needs an exhorter in their life with the gift of exhortation to help them see things and there's times people with the gift of mercy, they don't like people with exhortation. But you need to learn what your gifts are. I have a daughter that has a gift of mercy, and I said, Honey, you are so tenderhearted, but I'm not going to let you marry that loser. 
and there was no guy in her life at that time. What do you mean, Dad? You're going to be attracted to the gutter balls because you're going to want to pull them out of the gutter, and what happens is they suck you in. So mom and dad are here to help set boundaries so that you won't. Then we were at a concert, and she was in front of me, and I saw her looking at this guy, looking back, looking at this guy, looking back, and I hit my wife. I said, what's up with her? And there was a guy over there. It's a guy she met. She ended up falling in love with him. She ended up marrying him. He's a great son-in-law. He is the best dad. Oh, my goodness. He loves his children. He's a great provider. But he wasn't in the gutter. Praise God. Stand with me this morning. Ask God to reveal those gifts. Luke 10.2. I pray you, therefore, Lord of the harvest, to send forth laborers, because truly the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We need laborers today in the kingdom of God. Shalom and I were a young couple. I'm not sure. I think we were married. Maybe we were dating. But we decided to team up and teach first graders at church. And we weren't sure about it because we'd never done anything like that before. And they gave us lesson plans, and all of a sudden, all this stuff started coming out of me as I was teaching and, 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 and just making this lesson so much fun, but just getting them involved. And, and I got to loving teaching these children and pouring into them. And some of them are actually here today. But it was God showing me, oh, and I've got a calling on you, and you can impact. And the more you learn my word, the more I can pour it out of you. But it was a start, because I was not a guy that wanted to be up front. Passion and burdens can help point you to a plan that God has for you. Always be patient and wait for God to open up the door. In verses 8 and 9 in closing, Paul's quoting partially from Psalm 68, 18. And he pulls that out of there. And so many times we, we get this out of that, and it's a mistranslation. We say that uh, as we look at that, we're like, he ascended, he descended, and all of a sudden people are saying, oh, this is what's going on here. Jesus ascended, then he descended. No, 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 no. What it's saying, it relates to Jesus and the gifts that the Holy Spirit has for us. Jesus did not go suffer in hell. At the cross, he said, it is finished. It was all done. He didn't have to go to hell and suffer. I don't know who came up with that. But he didn't suffer. He ascended because he was brought down to the earth to become the God-man. And then he ascended back 
to his father. That's what it's talking about there. But why are you giving gifts, verses 10 through 12? You're giving them to equip the saints. God uses those spiritual gifts. So with your heads bowed this morning, there are things, whether it's administration, leadership, that God has for you, that he wants to use in your life. It's important that you ask God to reveal those to you. Because there's no greater peace than to know you're flowing in what God's given you. There are people here, you have the gift of hospitality. You know how you have that gift? You don't care what your house looks like when people show up. That's a person with hospitality. Like, come on in. Shalom are like, no, 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 don't come in yet. We got to straighten some stuff up. gifted you. Ask him to start revealing those. Maybe we'll get somebody to do that gift class again, but Lord, I just pray for each one here today. If they don't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they will come to know you. We know, God, that revival is being poured out. You're taking people deeper in you. What should be seen in our lives, God? We want to see humility. We want to see gentleness. We want to see patience, empathy. We want to be unified because there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith. Thank you, Lord. One baptism, one God. We want to walk out in that last point, God, is we all have been given spiritual gifts for us to use to minister to the body of Christ. Reveal those to us and help us, God to be strong believers in you. I just pray you help us to go out today to be a light, to make a difference. Walk with us. Walk through us. Allow us, God, to be poured out in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week of the Lord. If you'd like to support the ministry at Church Alive, there are three easy ways for you to give at www.churchalivewc.org Click the giving button in the top of the menu then you will scroll to the giving page and there you will choose a designation then type in the amount you'd like to give you can choose to give to another fund by clicking the add a donation button Leave a comment or make your gift reoccurring by clicking in the box. Then you will click whether you want to give by a card or your bank account. Enter your information and check the amount you want to give, then click the submit button. You can also give through the Church Alive app that can be found in your phone's app store. Once you've downloaded the app, click on the Church Alive app, click the giving button, and then click continue on the next page. You'll be taken to the app's giving page. From there, follow the instructions for giving online. If you'd like to send a check, the address is Church Alive Worship Center at 2401 South 100 West, Lafayette, Indiana 47909. 
We want to thank you for being part of the Church Life family, and we pray that God will bless you.